Hello, this is Paul. And this is Dave. We are the Derringer Brothers. And you are listening to Derringer Discovery. Each podcast, we take you on a journey. A musical journey. Today's podcast is on ELO's Greatest Tracks and Why. We have three special guests with us today. Our first guest is Brian from Crozet. Crozet? Where is that? It's kind of near Charlottesville. I love a yellow. I came to them late, probably in the 90s. Our second guest is Delaney from Richmond. I've heard of Richmond, and I've heard of Delaney. Hi, my name is Delaney, and I am from Richmond, and Paul and Dave asked me to come be in this podcast. And our third guest is someone I tracked down, and he was with me at that ELO concert that we'll talk about in this podcast. His name is John. You know, I was in Paul's first band, and I, for the life of me, I couldn't remember what the name of it was. My brother Dave and I will be discussing with you which track, album by album, during ELO's classic period, we think is the best track. It is not necessarily the hit. And what we hope you will do is you will hear the snippet, you'll like it, and you'll go to Spotify and want to hear the whole song, or whatever platform you use. As we go through this podcast today, I want the listeners to pay attention to the names that we mention, because when ELO was finally inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2017, they were inducted under four names, but it's not the core four members that we'll be talking about. So people, listen in. Somebody got shafted. And that's uh, very painful when that happens. Yes, it is painful to be shafted. So which of the four core members were shafted? Listen up and find out. And while we're doing that, we'll go ahead and say which album I think is the best. Then we will weigh in, and this will close out our podcast. We will weigh in as to whether or not we think ELO has ever jumped the shark. Dave, let's begin. Let's just jump right in. We're going to start. We are doing it chronologically, so let's start with that first album. There was a very popular group in England called The Move. The leader was Roy Wood. Woke up one morning half asleep With all my blankets in a heap And yellow roses scattered all around There was a competing group called the Idol Race and their lead singer was Jeff Lynne. was floundering and couldn't get any gigs, Roy Wood appealed to Jeff Lynn to join his group. Jeff Lynn did it on one condition, blending classical instruments in rock and roll, having a classical rock group. While The Move was still recording albums, they put out this very first Electric Light Orchestra album. This is the birth of ELO. First album was called The Electric Light Orchestra in England. And they used the word the at that time. They did. For the first two albums, they were the Electric Light Orchestra. Now, when it got time for United Artists label to release it in the United States, somebody from United Artists called the record company in UK. I bet no one picked up. There was no answer. <laughs> And so the person who made the call just wrote down under the Electric Light Orchestra, no answer. And so that became the name of the album. 
in the United States. According to Melody Maker, way back in 1971, they called it magnificent. This is a fascinating album. And I have to tell you, Dave, it is not, in my view, a magnificent album. I do not like the album. And to back you up on this, there was one instrumental on the album that Bev Bevan, the drummer, hated so much, he refused to play on it. Now, we like to make fun of drummers, and we have some drummers out there. Yes, Ed is a drummer, and he listens to us, and he'll be interested in what you have to say about Bev Bevan, who was the drummer for ELO. There was an instrumental called The Battle of Marston Moore. Bev Bevan thought it was such a bad instrumental, he refused to play on it. Yes, and I listened to that in preparation for today. It just is not pop music. It's, I'm not sure what it is. My Lord King, who spoke to betray your own people. So that is not my favorite song on the album. Thankfully. My favorite song on the album is the first song, 105 3 Orchestra, featuring Jeff Lynn on lead vocals. And he also wrote the song, which is a nice touch. Yes. On this album, they split the duties. Roy Wood wrote about half the songs. Jeff Lynn wrote the other half. And Jeff, as we will see during this podcast, really came to the forefront as a great songwriter. He wrote virtually everything that they did. It was amazing. A great producer. Is this on? And an excellent singer and musician. And now, the two-headed monster is going to show us how to take turns. The other thing Dave and I decided to do was to alternate so that you could get to hear my voice as much as you hear Dave's. I don't think people really want to hear your voice too much, Paul. I mean, you know, I'm the star of the show. The fate of the universe lies on your shoulders. The second album is called Electric Light Orchestra Roman Numeral 2. That's right. Now, on this album, Roy Wood has started to back out. I think he's actually on a few of the songs. No. He's not on any songs. No, he, he left to form another group called Wizard. Jeff Lynn stayed on. And Bev Bevan. Bev Bevan. The drummer stayed on. Yes, even after refusing to play on one of the tracks on the first album. In fact, Bev Bevan is the only other constant other than Jeff Lynn, who was there from the beginning till 1986 when they did their final album together in their heyday. Has Richard Tandy joined the group yet? He has. He was actually started off on bass, but he ended up on keyboards. Richard Tandy is one of my favorites, and I think he's part of what helped Electric Light Orchestra or ELO to gel. I'm going to pick my track on here, and I've been thinking hard about this because I know you want me to pick a certain track, and I think I will. I was going to pick another track off this album. There's only five songs on this album, and by the way, they're long. Jeff Lynn's voice is not quite there yet. He doesn't know how to record his voice. So when it comes in, to me, it's jarring. But the music on this album is quite good. They really do go for the orchestra feel on this album, more so than the first album. I think this album feels like orchestra music. And Jeff Lynn's voice, when it comes in, kind of feels like it's out of place. However, there is one song where it works. Unfortunately, it's not a Jeff Lynn song. It's a Chuck Berry song. All Over Beethoven, I think, is my favorite. And here is the intro, which which I find extremely fascinating.
And that is just the intro to Roll Over Beethoven. I played just enough to show you where the guitars come in. And Dave, do you have any thoughts about Roll Over Beethoven? Well, I have to admit, I did not get on board the ELO bandwagon on the first album. Can you blame me? No, I, I don't blame you. In fact, I can't believe they got a second album. Do you remember Aunt Betty? Of course. We have an aunt or an aunt, depends on what part of the country you come from. Her name was Betty. She was a music teacher. She came to visit back when you were just a little wee fella. I was so excited about Electric Light Orchestra that I had her come back to my record room, also known as my bedroom. And <laughs> I played her that. And when she heard the opening with the first movement of Beethoven's Fifth, oh, this is lovely music. And then all of a sudden, here comes Jeff Lynn with a Johnny Be Good, Chuck Berry Lick. <laughs> That did make it interesting, having the classical sound at the intro and then rolling into Chuck Berry's. Did this song get released as a single? Yes, it did. How did it do? Well, it hit number six in the United Kingdom in January of 73. And then three months later, it was released in the United States. Almost made top 40, number 42. It was the first time I'd ever heard them, and that's why I went out and bought the album. Remember radio? I do remember radio. It's been replaced by podcasts. It has? So you're putting me out of business then. Actually, I like to think we are continuing our trade, but we're doing it in the podcast form. And mm -hmm. the beautiful thing about the podcast is, you know how radio, you did it, but it was like gone, and no one was ever going to listen to something you did yesterday. They might be listening to this podcast 10 years from now. Well, there's one person who would come in the next day after recording you off the air, and that would be your program director to tell you what you did wrong yesterday. <laughs> so you, it didn't quite disappear, but you kind of wished it did. <laughs> to the third album and this is Dave's turn. Dave, do you want to talk about it? On the third day. Now they're just known as Electric Light Orchestra. This I think is when Jeff Lynne really comes to the forefront with his voice, his songs, and of course his searing guitar playing. And this was when I really thought they're going to make it here in the United States. I like the whole album, but right now let's hear my favorite song from On the Third Day, Showdown. showdown i agree with dave this is a great album it's hard to believe it's the same band that put out elo1 and elo2 this in my view is finally a band worth listening to and there's so much i liked about it jeff lynn pretended at the time that he was part of a real band he had seven people in the band and on the original album cover for on the third day they had all seven members on the album cover showing their belly buttons but here's the reissue that just has jeff lynn looking over the world saying I'm king of the universe, yeah. which is one of the songs. Right.
That reissue is exactly what Jeff Lynn started to do, and that is he started off saying, hey, we're a real band. We play you know, music and we're equal. And then over time, it became clear and obvious that Jeff Lynn was the only songwriter, the only singer, or largely the only singer, and he was the producer and controlled the band. And so by the time of the reissue, he wasn't going to put a reissue out with seven players pretending that they were all equal. Bev Bevan fancied himself as a singer. They let him sing one song with the old group, The Move. Zing went the strings of my heart, which was a Judy Garland song. <laughs> and after that, everybody agreed, Bev Bevan, the drummer. Now, whatever you do, you play the drums and you don't sing anymore. The next album shows how ELO is getting better and better. And this is what I love about a band. When a band puts the next album out and it's even better than the one before it, it's hard not to fall in love with that. This album is called El Dorado. The cover on the album, even the icon used for Spotify, is a picture from Wizard of Oz, or appears to be from Wizard of Oz. It's clearly Dorothy's shoes, and it's the witch trying to get those shoes off of her feet. I don't really know what that has to do with the album because it's El Dorado and it seems to be a theme, something other than Wizard of Oz. This album is a good album. It has a lot of interesting orchestra music in it, and it's hard for me to pick because it would be obvious to go with the hit. They did have a real hit on this album, Can't Get It Out of My Head. I'd like to instead introduce you to a song that has been my favorite on this album. It's called Poor Boy, The Greenwood. What I really like about Poor Boy and about the whole El Dorado album is that there's all kinds of flashbacks. I mean, I love the cover, but then I'm a real Wizard of Oz fan. That's a clip from Poor Boy, The Greenwood. What I like about that song is they don't waste your time. They have just a quick intro and then they jump in with the singing and then they jump in with the chorus. I think ELO's strength, or I should say Jeff Lynn's strength, his songs build up to fantastic choruses. And that song is a perfect example of the course really bringing it all together. So a lot of times you're listening, you enjoy the verse, but you fall in love with it on the course. And that's ELO's El Dorado. Dave, it's your turn again. Face the music, Paul. <laughs> that was a strange album cover, too. That was. It actually has a electric chair on there. In case you just couldn't remember the name of the group, Electric Light Orchestra, Face the Music. Are they going by ELO at this point, or are they still Electric Light Orchestra? They're still Electric Light Orchestras. They're getting more and more popular. Face the Music was the first top 10 album in the United States, so they really hit the big time. I went all the way down to Greensboro, North Carolina, saw them play a great concert for the Face the Music tour. ELO definitely were coming into their own. The first single was Evil Woman. Everybody remembers that one. You know. 
made a fool of me But the broken dreams have got to about a hundred evil women songs so it, you don't mind if i pick something else do you no by all means i always like the second single off that album and that was strange magic you fly so high i guess I like the drums in Strange Magic. My dad is a drummer and I always go to his concerts. Strange Magic is one of my favorite songs. I've probably listened to it hundreds of times. I love Strange Magic. At this point, Jeff Lynn is pretending that this is a real band. ELO had seven members, two celloists and a violinist, and probably we're not even going to mention them by name, but there were three orchestra members. And then the other four were Richard Tandy on keys, yes. Bev Bevan on drums, Jeff Lynn on just about everything else. But who's the fourth person in that band that is kind of a consistent core member, the bass player? You really put me on the spot here. The bass player not only was the bass player, but he also did the harmonies with ah. Jeff Lynn. And I'm going to give a crack at it. His last name's hard to say. I, people, I, that's why I threw it at my brother. I know his first name's Kelly. Kelly Gruquet. The original bass player was Richard Tandy. But then when Roy Wood left, along with two other members, Richard Tandy moved over to keyboards, and then they added Kelly Groquette. We now move on to what I think is ELO's best album. By this time, they've really hit the big time. Now you're saying ELO. ELO. In this album, Dave bought it for me for Christmas, the very year it came out. It's Electric Light Orchestra, also known now as ELO, and the album is called A New World Record. The Olympics were going on at the time. People were setting new world records in the Olympics, and they thought, hey, that's a pretty cool name. That's how it got its name. This album is so good, for Dave to, to force me to pick only one song is criminal. But I'm going to pick one, and this is a cop-out, people, but it's only because I want to talk about it. I know, Dave's shaking his head. He's like, I can't believe you're going to pick the obvious song. Here it is, one of their biggest hits, Living Thing. Dave, there was a lot of scuttlebutt at the time about what Living Thing was really about. Let me play these lines for you from the same song, Living Thing, and tell me what you think. singing she's from a band that should have made it big called fanny and she and some of the other band members sing throughout this whole album and i think that's one of the things that elevates this album they have added some wonderful background harmonies jeff lynn was interviewed he said he wrote this after he suffered 
from food poisoning. He said food poisoning was the inspiration for living thing. Now, is he just covering his tracks? Maybe, but that's his position. His official position is living thing was the result of him getting food poisoning. Johnny Go with like the beats. I like the intro the most, but not the opera part. She's sweet on Wagner. I think she died for Beethoven. She loves the way Gucci lit that tune. And Bird is always creeping from her Rockteria is fun, and I really like the vocals. And this was their sixth album, Paul. My very best friend at the time was in the Navy while I was in college. And we'd get together like every Christmas, and we'd talk about the greatest albums to come out each year. And each year I kept saying, listen to Yellow. He heard the second album, and he was kind of like, you, oh, that's not that great. Then on the third day, ah, you know, not that great. <laughs> and then El Dorado, yeah, that's a little weak, you know. Then, then Face the Music, he didn't like Face the Music. Finally, after I gave you this for Christmas of 76, Stan finally gave me the thumbs up on the sixth album. He said, okay. Okay, Dave, I agree. Electric Light Orchestra is a good group. Now repeat back what I just said. I agree. No! That moves us to the next album. Out of the Blue, this is their white album. This is their two record set. My favorite side on this, out of the four sides, Concerto for a Rainy Day. Yes, now why is that your favorite? Starts off with Standing in the Rain. Big Wheels. Yeah. Summer and Lightning. And it yeah. finishes up with the song I'm going to pick as my favorite track. And I watched it first in the Guardians of the Galaxy. If anybody saw Guardians of the Galaxy oh, that's, 2. That's a, yeah, two. wonderful scene. Guardians of the Galaxy 2 features this song. I think they played pretty much the whole song. Sky is probably my favorite ELO song too. Even though I loved the album before it, I love the songs on that album more. The single song, Mr. Blue Sky, is just phenomenal. It sort of is everything that I like about Jeff Lynne, his songwriting, his singing, and the way he brings the orchestra together. It's just phenomenal. Oh, Mr. Blue Sky, please tell us why you had to hide away for so long. Mr. 
this was the album they were touring on when I went to a concert. I was playing in a band, Dave, called Two Johns and a Paul. You're right. That's exactly right. <laughs> Which one were you? I, I was one of the Johns. You kind of turned me on to ELO. We never played live. I don't think we actually did any recording. But the one thing we claimed was we went to see ELO together on the Out of the Blue tour. We were there to see a rock band and there was these two cellists and a violinist running around on stage, uh, which you don't normally expect at a rock show. This was a show, and I loved everything about it. The string guys were phenomenal. They were rocking out, totally into it, running around just like you'd expect Eddie Van Halen to be running around. And how did you get there? Because you weren't driving. Our mom, your father, drove two Johns and a Paul to see ELO. It was a great first show. Discovery album, Jeff Lynne drops the two celloist and the violinist, and he's down to the core four members. And from this point forward, he largely uses synthesizers to generate that orchestra sound. And that's really troubling for me. I had trouble with Discovery at the time, but we are going to play my favorite song from Discovery, which is Confusion. Confusion was my favorite because I really, really like the harmony. Confusion has a dynamic to it that makes it really enjoyable to listen to. Given that they stepped away from using real orchestration and electrified it, it still worked. The next album, Dave, was one you get to pick the song. It's called Time. Just on the border of your waking mind. What song did you choose as your favorite track off of Time? I don't listen to time at all. Isn't it funny? Over time, I don't listen to time. It doesn't do it for me. How do you feel about the album overall? I like it okay. I liked it better than Xanadu. Xanadu. Yes, yes, yes. I liked it better than Scooby-Doo. I still don't have a catchphrase. <laughs> no, I like Scooby-Doo a okay. lot. Then that leads us to the last two albums. Since it's my turn to pick, I'm not going to pick any song. I don't believe in anything from Secret Messages. So you think Secret Messages should remain a secret? I do think it should remain a secret. That leads us to the last album before they broke up in 86. And by the way, Kelly Groquette quit the band in 83. So he's not on this last album. They're down to three people. Bev Bevan, Richard Tandy, Jeff Lynn. It's your turn, Dave. What are you going to pick from the last album? I hear the phone ringing. <laughs> Calling America. <laughs> ELO had five, maybe six 
fantastic albums. They started off with two questionable albums, and in my view, they ended with three questionable albums. What do you think? I'll have to agree with that, that he really hit the stride with On the Third Day, yeah. and, and then Discovery was probably their downfall. Everybody going into, like, 79 was putting the, the uh, synthesizer in, including the first group we ever did on this podcast, Queen. Yeah. Queen. Yeah. Dave, do you think ELO jumped the shark? I think they definitely went over the rainbow with Xanadu. And I kind of waffle on whether they jumped the shark when they jettisoned the two celloists and the violinist just before Discovery, which was 1979. But Discovery, in the scheme of things, was actually a good album. It was certainly a big selling album with lots of hits. So I really think it came with Xanadu. Even though songs were good, I think they jumped the shark and then the albums got really bad. I think the last two albums were just unlistenable. Dave, I indicated in this podcast that New World Record is my favorite album. I couldn't help myself. But you held back. So Dave, what is your favorite ELO album? On the Third Day. On the Third Day. That's a good one. I think we both weighed in as to our favorite song. At least it felt like it. Even though New World Record is my favorite album, my favorite song is from Out of the Blue, which came out after New World Record, and that's Mr. Blue Sky. I can't help it. I just love Mr. Blue Sky. Dave, what is your favorite song by ELO? If I picked off of my favorite album on the third day, it would be Showdown. Dave, we need to thank the special guest. Thank you, Brian, Delaney, and John. Thank you for being part of this and guess what what if our listeners are listening in and they think how can i be part of it well it's pretty easy i'm always looking for people to take paul's place in the derringer (laughs) brothers i really have to change the name from derringer brothers to derringer family because delaney will be our first female member dave at the beginning we did tease the people that elo is in the rock and roll hall of fame yes but they were not inducted as the seven members that were kind of known during their highlight nor were they even inducted as the four core members that we been talking about. Bev Bevan, Kelly Gruquette, Richard Richard Tandy, Tandy, Jeff Lynn. Guess who did not own the name and who really got shafted? And that's who is not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. We agree. Kelly Gruquette. Yes, yes. Kelly Gruquette got shafted. He was a newer guy. He wasn't an original member. But he was there during the height. He ended up suing Jeff Lynn, thinking that he deserved a bigger cut of the royalties and the pay. And I have a feeling that's why Jeff kept him out. Bev Bevan's in. Richard Tandy's in. Because Richard's still playing with Jeff. And Jeff's in. Who's the fourth person? The fourth person who got in? Yes. Roy Wood. Yeah! <laughs> Can you believe that? He was on that? one album, He's that <laughs> fantastic first album that you love. You know, don't you listen to the Battle of Marston Moore every night before you go to bed? Thank you so much for listening to us. If you just want to tell us what you think or give us some comments, send them to us and we'll try to get them in. Would you like to give that Gmail or email address? DerringerDiscoveries at gmail.com. That's DerringerDiscoveries spelled as one word at gmail.com. This is Paul Derringer. And this is Dave Derringer. We are the Derringer Brothers, and we thank you for listening to Derringer Discovery. Discovery. Discovery's theme song, Your Sister's Room, was provided by Hojo Fro, and if you're interested, you can hear the whole song on Spotify.